0: What's your favorite comic book? Trouble deciding between Little
1: Bird or 30 Days of Night? Or maybe something more classic like Secret Wars or The First Shadow? Join George, Jason, and John as they talk about all things comics on the podcast Drawn and Paneled, spanning the 70s to today. That's Drawn and Paneled, a production of Gen X Grown Up. Up next, Wake Up Call.
2: Clark Fulton always gets a rap like, "Oh, it's not safe." You know, we talk to the merchants. I grew up in this neighborhood, so no matter where I've lived, I've always gotten my hair done on Clark Avenue, right? Because that's just where you go for the Spanish hair lady. Um, so I never saw that distinction. I, I, don't, I don't go to the. <laughs> you should salon go, Dave. Anymore. You should get some rollers and a nice perm.
1: Hi, I'm Thomas Fox with Creative Mornings Cleveland. We're thrilled to have Evergreen Podcasts on board as our official podcast partner. Evergreen Podcasts is committed to producing the best original content and engaging shows. Right now, you're listening to Wake Up Call, recorded on location at the monthly Creative Mornings Lecture Series. Enjoy.
2: Janice
3: Contreras.
4: My name is Jaime Declett.
3: My name is Kyle Kidd. So my name is Debbie Hazek.
1: And I'm your host, David Allen Moss. Today, I'll be spending time with each of our guests to explore our theme, Inclusive. Here on Wake Up Call, we seek connection with people and the exchange of ideas. We look to discover both unique and universal perspectives through these conversations, and we're asking for the engagement and interaction of our listeners, in addition to those attending the Creative Mornings lectures where we record. Thank you for joining us. What's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the word inclusive?
2: Um, really having an environment where it's accepting of our surroundings, our colleagues, our neighbors, you know, in a broader sense of diversity, right? We talk about diversity a lot, but do we ever really get inclusion, Right? right? it doesn't mean much unless there's a level of inclusivity unless there is that melting pot that we would like to believe our country is we have diversity but i think inclusion takes a lot more effort um, to get to
1: so do you feel like we're struggling a little bit with what it means right now versus maybe what it meant 50 years ago or
2: yeah honestly i don't know what the conversations are on inclusion or 50 years ago right. if, that if they was were even a them. topic so there's definitely some progression you know, as a people, as a country, as a world. I think the challenge then becomes how do we reach that inclusivity? Do people understand what that is? Um, In corporate America, people toss up these terms and they become buzzwords, you know. Oh, we want to be a diverse corporation or business or organization. But what does that really mean? Do I just hire a token woman or a token Latino or a token LGBT person? And am I, do I have a diverse workforce just because? I have someone there. And so there's a level of education and intentionality that goes with it if you truly want to be inclusive. And I'm usually pretty hard with people when they say that, oh, but we want, we want equity, or we want inclusion. It's like, well, are you sure? Right. Because it's tough work.
1: Janice knows about this tough work. She's a community leader and extensively involved in minority leadership efforts in her community. And as well as a very qualified business consultant. She's done a lot of work in small business development, nonprofits, and in the healthcare industry. Her professional bio is impressive, but I want to know more about her.
2: I grew up in this neighborhood, a Latino neighborhood, but not by choice. Um, there's been a lot of gentrification and displacements, um, great development, just not for everybody. Right. Um, and so that has resulted in, in having this of Latino. So I really came up from this neighborhood. I've had great opportunities to travel, to study. And here I am back in the neighborhood, really trying to make a difference, really trying to give the community um, what it deserves, what it merits, a dignified neighborhood that's livable, Workable, that you could breathe, um, that our houses are not filled with lead. Right. Um, all of those elements that that are just kind of just social justice issues, right? The right thing to do it. I do it in, in economic and business development because that's just what my strong suit is. Um, and so it's, you know, it's truly an honor to get to do this work. But as a, you know, Latina leader in the community, I often, again, get brought on, whether their intent initially is having me as a token child or feeling like there's representation. But I take every opportunity I can to educate. And it's exhausting right. to have to explain when- diversity and equity and representation and, you know,
1: Talk about that education, because it's it's about kind of uh, undoing people's perceptions. That sounds like a big part of, of your right. work, well, is just undoing that perception.
2: It's really exhausting to feel like every time I want to talk about the work, I have to go back and explain the history, um, specifically from a Latina lens, like, this is how we got here, and this is why it's more of a Puerto Rican community versus anything else. And so that's usually mind-blowing. Like, right there, people are like, oh, I had no idea, I had
1: no clue— Are there places in the world that you find inclusivity, they're getting it right?
2: Oh, no, not at all. There's no template Yeah, And just starting with basic things, like the color of your skin or perceptions on where you're from, um, people's point of reference, right? I used to work in a suburb when I was in high school mm-hmm. and their only perception to people of tan skin was Hawaiian. so they used to say I'm Hawaiian. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? No, but you know, to them, there was no the concept of the Latino community in a, right. in a very white suburb. Yeah. If I'm in Brazil, I'm Brazilian. If I, you know, definitely when I went to China, I was not Chinese, that was obvious. But no, it's it's definitely a world global issue around getting rid of these stereotypes and taking the time to have a conversation. And our world just being open to listening. Mm -hmm. Like listen, ask questions, um, seek to understand instead of assuming that you know.
1: I think we make a lot of assumptions about people's lives, their values, about how people spend their time, about the intentions of others when we interact, about everything. Are assumptions helpful? Is it like an instinct to help us quickly assess the world around us? I think that's probably true. Every day, life might not be manageable if we question everything all the time. But it's probably worth mentioning that we should challenge our assumptions occasionally. The world is complex, and people are the most complex element of that.
2: I mean, we're all different, no right. matter what. Right. And so just to just to live in a world that your differences are not embraced, or that you're going to be judged, or you know, you're not going to be able to get the job, or you're not going to be able to get to school, or you're not going to be able to, you know, have a safe home. Right. Um, and so it's extremely frustrating. And while we've come a long way, um, it's amazing how far we still have to go. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a conversation, that is a buzzword, that it's whatever. It gives us an opportunity to at least start there.
1: Awareness and talking are great. I'm all about it, but what about doing? I asked Janice, what are simple, everyday things that we can do?
2: Definitely, you know, supporting local, um, visiting neighborhoods that maybe you're not familiar with, um, even if it's just driving around, right? We all love to drive around the countryside, but how about if you drive around in the city? Um, you'd be amazed what you would find, especially these warm months when they get here. Um, you know, there, there's so much richness um, that most people are just not exposed to or, don't again, don't even take the time. Um, to learn. Um, We have technology, we have social media. You could just, you know, in the summer months, you could find a festival just about anywhere. Um, So really venturing out of our comfort zone and, and being open, being open to learn.
1: Our comfort zones can be pretty exclusive and keep people at arm's length. That makes it sound intentional and a little aggressive almost, but that's not really what I mean. Most of the time, it's just us going about our day and not having the time or interest to have meaningful interactions. Maybe we just need to care about each other a little
2: more. And you know, all they know about the city is what they see in the media, right? So they see downtown and, you know, big development and, you know, sports and uh, entertainment. And then they hear all the disparities in the neighborhood, the crime, the issues, the, you know, and so that's really it. So that's, that's their baseline talking to the business owners that have been here for a really long time and saying, hey, you know, there's a negative perception that's not a safe place to come and impacts our ability to generate revenue. But then when I start looking at crime rates, robbery rates of other trendy neighborhoods around us, they're the same or just as bad.
1: Perceptions are powerful. And unfortunately, the power that perceptions hold does not necessarily correlate to their accuracy. But you know what also has power? Our stomachs. Restaurants, food.
2: Food is definitely um, the key to everyone's heart, right? People want diverse food. People want that experience, and I, I think definitely getting folks through their tummy is is a key. Um, a lot of the work that we're doing in this na- in this neighborhood is to provide those um, cultural opportunities, where people know where to go. Hey, you want you know some Cuban food, or you want some you know Colombian patacones, or you want this, or you want that, and really having that ethnic hub.
1: I'm getting hungry just hearing about this. I mean, who doesn't want to get close to their tummy? It's a little funny to think of food as such an important element of promoting inclusion, but I think Janice is right. (laughs) Welcome to Wake Up Call. We're here at Creative Mornings Cleveland in... The space that you must be so proud of.
4: We are. Uh, this is a Carnegie building that was actually opened to the public in 1911. And now you've gone through a, a major renovation. We went through a major renovation. We relocated temporarily to a storefront. It has always been a changing neighborhood. I mean, this started obviously when you look at St. Michael's; is that it was a German church. Uh, we were actually known as the German branch because there was a German collection in the branch when it first opened oh, because that? a lot of the neighbors spoke German. Okay, But obviously throughout the years it has shifted and changed and now we're probably one of the largest concentrations of uh, Hispanic patrons for Cleveland Public Library. But there's also a myriad of other groups. It's not just Hispanics. You know, It's, it's a, an extremely diverse community that we serve and the community wanted their building back as a library. So here we are, you know, basically turn of the 20th century building was turned into a 21st century library once again. I love this story of the
1: library, changing with the neighborhood, adapting and going through its own metamorphosis as it serves the community. It's accepting and welcoming and has a longevity and stability to it because of its openness and responsiveness to its surroundings.
4: I asked Jaime how he thought the library related to our theme. To me, the library is... The epitome of inclusiveness because everyone is welcome. People making you know, living in million dollar homes and people living sometimes in the projects, rub elbows together on everybody's treated the same way. That's where we are, that's who we are, that's what we do. But also we have become like the social hub for a lot of our neighborhoods that we're in. Why do you think the the the, the concept of
1: inclusion? Can be polarizing in the today's conversation out there. You know, I know we are already in a polarizing political environment. But
4: what do you think is the the root of that? Fear. You know, people are afraid of what they don't know. Yeah. And fear sort of begots fear. You know, if you don't right. know something and you're afraid of it, then you become even more afraid than, than you realize that you are, so. Sure. And I think that's one of the beauties of what we do, is here everybody gets to know everybody else, and, and we're celebrating our differences, but at the same time we're celebrating what makes us all the same, so. Yeah, that's beautiful.
3: For me, it's so so funny because um, inclusion is one of my big words that I love with my background being in youth and young adult development. It's a word that I've used a lot describing the possibilities of what community could look like. Yeah. And so for me, inclusion means everybody sitting at the table having a piece and bringing their best talents forward to be able to make this tribal thing work.
1: Kyle's words really hit home with me. We are a bunch of tribes. That's what is special and meaningful and distinct about people groups and is worth preserving, but it's also giving name to our differences.
3: We struggle a lot separating ourselves and wanting to go into our private silos or the cultures that are most comfortable. The times we're living in right now are really pulling us to dissect what inclusion really looks like outside of what we thought it should look like.
1: Can we have these tribes and can we be celebrate our cultures mm-hmm. and then pull everybody else in to well, yeah, with
3: the intention of creating a tribal legacy. You know, we're kind Living... of bad at that. We're very we bad at that. We ditch a lot of
1: our traditions. We
3: ditch it a lot because we are wanting to make other people feel comfortable and then to also feel validated and included in spaces, which I think that needs to be a part of the message too. Like you don't have to omit pieces of who you are to build this community. It's about bringing all of yourself, your whole self, To the table and and we'll work it in
1: yeah it's so interesting how you'll see that that pushback don't make me be that how about you just honor what that is Mm -hmm. and kind of celebrate it you don't have to be converted there's this idea that we can't have both i can't come here and be a part of this collective mindset and and grow with it and still be an individual, suddenly I gotta like sacrifice something. <laughs>
3: it's a ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, I choose. What and, about if I grew as In an
1: that individual? position,
3: I choose to just kind of have grace with those people and say, through your creative experience, you will learn that it will be a both and. The most that you would be sacrificing, which holds no value at the end of the day is your time. And if you And if you are so hung up on sacrificing your time, to engage with the community that you must coexist in regardless of if you want it or not, then shame on you. <laughs> because, you know, I there is no sacrifice in growth, I feel. I mean, you do have to sacrifice some things to grow, but they're all worth it if that's what you really want. And then it comes back to, do you really want to grow? And some people don't, some people do.
1: People don't want to sacrifice their blinders. They don't want to sacrifice their safe barriers. and We all have them. We all have yeah, walls. Yeah, we do. Otherwise, everybody has a cubicle for their mind, and some people's yeah. cubicles are harder to stretch. So many of our walls are just about fear or discomfort. Insecurity is a big wall, too. We don't know what we don't know, and sometimes that makes us look silly. Well, we've got to be okay with ourselves enough to be okay with that.
3: In order to get the maximum experience or, you know, whatever you, gift of life, is engaging with other people, seeing other things. I can't tell you how excited I was in high school to go to my first Passover. It was crazy. My friend's <laughs> my, my friend's mom was um, the superintendent of the Hebrew school, and they invited me over for Passover, and I was so nervous. I was like, oh, my God, like, what do I do? What do I say? Right. Her family was so nice, so fun. And so a learning experience for me, saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. Her mom gave me an opportunity, you know, when everybody was going around the table, and I was trying to plan my little speech of what I was going to say, and I said, I want to thank you all so much for inviting me to sit shiver with you. And they're all looking around like, uh, and Jordan taps me, that's my friend. She's like, no, you said shiver when someone dies. I was like, oh. oh. And her mom was like, it's OK. And I was like, well, there you go. I'm learning. Like, I thought I was saying the right thing. There's really
0: a sense in people's minds that, like, well, what if I say something wrong? Or what if they say something that then I don't agree with and I don't want to get into an argument? Like, I just don't want to go there, you
1: know? This is Debbie, and she picks up on this same thread. But what she explains next touches on an even bigger idea.
0: Grandma speaks Russian, but she also knows Ukrainian. Like, are we Russian? Are you—I don't know. We found out when— Ellis Island Records went online that my dad's family is actually apparently an ethnic group called Ruthenians. It's a ethnically Slovak group, because Grandma also spoke Slovak. Um, She cursed in Slovak really well. (laughs) Ethnically Slovak
1: enclave in the Carpathian Mountains. So many of us don't even know who we are ourselves. This might be the takeaway of the episode after all these conversations. Debbie's talking about ethnicity here, but the same can be said in a far more comprehensive manner. Let's not kid ourselves. Most of us are trying to figure out who we are for the bulk of our lives. We need to exercise some grace and love toward each other. And that brings us back to where we are today, in this space, with these people.
0: We're sitting here in this amazing, newly renovated library and just the center of the community again. And everybody is here and yes, you see the Hispanic community, but you also see young people who just moved in the area. You see families, you see, you know, grandparents. We had people who came to the opening at this building that said, oh yeah, I grew up down the street. This is the library I came to as a child. I'm so excited I can bring my grandchildren here. It doesn't matter who you are. You can walk in these doors. The library's here for everyone. We're here for people who need ESOL classes in the afternoon. We're here for kids after school. It's a safe space. Everybody can come in. Sure, there's going to be conflict. You know, if somebody's complaining because the kids are too loud or something, but we want kids to be in the library. Right. We want them to enjoy right. it. Kids that are excited and are having a great time, that's the sound of learning, that's the sound of excitement. If they can do things that are engaging and interesting, they're having a great time. It's about interacting with people who think differently than you, mm-hmm. who know different things than you. Hey, the more people I meet, the more new things I know, like my life is richer, your life is richer, together we're better. I think for the most part, people are not that xenophobic. I think that there's just some discomfort and anything that there's a little bit of discomfort, people naturally want to avoid it. And I think maybe people just haven't done it enough to, to like talk to somebody who's different. Even Even if you just had a passing conversation where you kind of said good morning and you interacted with somebody you didn't know before, maybe you found something new, maybe they greeted you with buenos dias instead of good morning. Like, your world's a richer place, right? Right on. It's good.
1: We're in this together. Most of us want the world to be better, less violence and mistrust, more exchange and understanding. I'm not sure that can happen without the willingness to put yourself in a position to interact with people who are different than you. Janice said it already, and I echoed it. I'm gonna say it again. Being inclusive is tough work, but everyone I talked to here said that it's worth it. Wake Up Call is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, a proud member of the Front Porch Media Network. I'd like to give a special thanks to executive producers Joan Andrews and Michael D'Aloya, producer and audio director Dave Douglas, and account manager Connor Standish. Thanks to 2Bob Crew for the use of their song, Rooster, available on iTunes. If you would, please like and review this program. It really helps. Learn more about this and other podcasts from Evergreen at evergreenpodcasts.com. I'm David Allen Moss. Thanks for listening to Wake Up Call, Ideas That Crow.
3: You've got questions, we've got answers. Get what you need for your business, when you need it, from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite
4: podcasts.
0: This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.